You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Mama's Talking Loud. I'm Jessica Rush. And I'm Kara Cooper. Today's guest is a two-time Oscar and Grammy winner, songwriter and lyricist of Disney faves like the Frozen franchise and Coco. She's co-creator of the original acapella Broadway musical In Transit, and currently her work can be heard on the cult favorite WandaVision. And if you are a regular listener of Mama's Talking Loud, her voice and composition rings in your ear weekly as she wrote and performs our theme song. Here's our conversation with Kristen Anderson Lopez. Kristen, hello, welcome. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Oh my I'm God. So excited. We are we're so talking. excited. You know what, Kara and I were just talking before we, we started our convo, and we were scheduled to record with you the week of the shutdown last year. I don't you probably don't remember because everything's a fog from that time. Yeah. <laughs> but we were scheduled and you were like, oh, my daughter's schools are closing. Something's, you know, we're not, everything's changing. And then look at where we are now. That is nuts. Yeah. I remember that week, that week in particular, just, just like almost losing, flipping my lid. Like I had chills on and off all the time because I just knew my body knew like something really traumatic is happening. Even just living it right now, I'm feeling that again. We don't need to go there. We don't need to, we don't need to go there. Let's (laughs) no, we don't need to revisit those memories at all. Yes. The first thing we always ask our guests is to tell us about their kids because it's not something we get to talk about a lot. So would you tell us about your girls? Yes. I'd love to talk about my girls. Um, I have a 15-year-old, almost 16, and a, an 11-year-old. Um, the 15-year-old named Katie uh, is so interesting right now. Like, I, It's actually been an amazing time to be in a pandemic and a lockdown with these two, because as opposed to what I know you guys are dealing with and so many moms are dealing with, um, of like kids who just need, you know, the relentless caretaking at this moment, I feel like I'm getting to hang out with really cool people. So Katie is, um, doing the musical right now. She's doing songs for a new world. It's all happening virtually. And then they film in person, they get tested and they film in person on the stage over four days. Um, she's really musical. She plays like 10 instruments and, um, and is just a fascinating human being, like really takes these deep dives into um, learning about like neurodivergent mental health and, and LGBTQ. Uh, you know, she's, she's one of those teens right now that is like really, learning the Gen Z world that's like, we're going to change the rules. I was going to say, they're going to save us. They're going to save us. So she's she's fascinating and funny, and she's really gotten me into drag race. Um, That's been our new thing, like our Friday thing. Um, And then our 11-year-old, who is – is much more of like a connector. She's it, where Katie is a, like a thinker and a, and a doer. Um, Annie is a like connector and wants to like, just can pick up on 
somebody's vibe and instantly be like, what's up with you? Um, and so that was hard when we basically cut her off from all her friends, but she picked up a camera and started taking pictures of her cat, uh, Una, and started developing this photography project that has sort of blown my mind um, because she got so good so quickly and sets up these photo shoots. You can see them because I post them all over my social media. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. it's really impressive. I've it's, seen those. Yeah. Is there a way for someone who's not friends with you to see them? Does she Is she putting them out publicly anywhere or – Post them on Twitter. I'm okay. not letting her have social media yet because she's only 11. Smart mama. Um, and and it's funny because even she's like, you know, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. One day I will get an Instagram when it's appropriate. Um, but I don't think I'm ready. I want to develop as an artist more. <laughs> Very <laughs> amazing. She's, amazing. It's really interesting hearing her talk about her art because there's certain things that she she'll go back and look at something I posted from March or May, and she'll be like, "Oh, oh, I hadn't realized how grainy that looked." Like she's <laughs> got she's developing like an artist, and I look back at old songs sometimes, and I'm like, "Oh, don't rhyme wife with life." Like. <laughs> 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 oh my God. How incredible. I mean, that is just, I love it. I love, and also it's clear, like the joy you have watching them develop too. I mean, it's coming through just in our conversation right now and having them, you know, become these young women and, you know, and who they're going to be. I mean, that's just absolutely incredible. I'm so excited. I would love for my child to latch onto something soon <laughs> and interest. Yes. Yes. Well, your child is pretty, it's still yeah. pretty young. Yeah. Um, and there, you know, now I can look back and just be like, Oh, look at those pictures from vacation. We were having so much fun, but I, I'll be honest at the time I was so exhausted. I was so, it was so relentless and there was, there was just no room to take any time for myself. And I'm here to tell you it gets better. It does. It, it, and then you're like, you know, because their job is to kind of push you away when you do get to go for like a long hike and really get into something that they care about and you're learning things from them. It's like, it's the coolest. I I'm really, I know they say like the teen years are hard. I'm saying it's so much better. I, I like this so much better than the exhaustion of just like, get your shoes on. No, get your shoes on. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tantrum. I found a picture recently where I literally taped my daughter's Crocs with gaffer's tape. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Uh, the things we do. It is. It's exciting to have that to look forward to. This kind of time and space where you get to know your kids as budding adults and and what it is that makes them tick. I find it so interesting too that your daughter Annie, I believe, yeah. the artist, right, or the photographer. I wonder if she would have found this had the, had there not been the time and space during the pandemic where she wasn't connecting with her friends and had the time to hone her art. It's almost like she's you know taking her year sabbatical to to work on her installation. <laughs> You're exactly right. It's so insightful that you picked up on that because um, her friend, we did have her best friend, our neighbor, come up and pod with us like and do like three weeks of of sleepover. And, and Annie's photography stopped completely during that time, um, which makes me say, like, as we move forward, we're going to have to help Annie learn how to carve out that time to keep developing this gift of hers. Um, and, and, you know, she's going to have to figure that out too. That's so cool. Well, let's, let's dive into some, some deeper stuff. So obviously you work a lot with your husband, um, yeah. but you, but you work independently as well. And something that we're super interested in is have you felt a difference being in the room as a woman either in the room that your husband is also in and the room that your husband is not in? Do you feel like your voice is heard or respected either more or less in either situation? How has that played out for you? I just, I'm, I'm curious how that dynamic, um, I don't know, affects your work and how you're, how you're viewed in the industry. Huh, that's such a good question. And there's a lot to unpack there uh, because 
because I've, I've been very, very lucky in that I have, I always have my like best friend there next to me. Um, so I, I would say that it has given me definite, definitely probably more confidence to be able to speak up in really key moments because I wasn't feeling othered in such a, like I always have a security blanket there in a way. Um, at the same time, so that's been a wonderful way that it's really empowered me in, you know, Disney Disney tables where it's just like, this is, this is it. Speak up now or do you want to build a snowman isn't in the movie. Um, and- oh, my God. What would the world <laughs> be without that? I mean, I'll tell you that story. That's, it wasn't in the movie during the final preview before we were about to go to its first public viewing. Um, and it had, it had, the movie suddenly was starting to congeal and starting to like to work. It hadn't worked up until that point. And this is, this is very common in the process that it doesn't work, especially in a musical until that last Ikea screw happens. And then you're like, Oh my God, it's a shelf. Um, uh, so the movie was finally starting to work, but we want to build a snowman wasn't in the movie. And, like Bob Iger was there, the whole board was there. Um, and um, I I just totally spoke out of turn. Like that's not when the, the composers are supposed to talk, but I was like, guys, I think I can just, I just want to say that I think we can plus the front if we bring back, do you want to build a snowman? Um, and in that moment, I was very lucky because John Lasseter really supported me in that moment. I was like, I think Chris is right. I think she. Could, I think that we can do this. But um, there was definitely a moment where the the whole board went, "Who's this? Why is she talking?" Um, but <laughs> were uh, you? I'm in, I'm wondering if you were the only woman, or if there were women on the board or in the room as well. There were no women on the board at that moment, but Jennifer Lee, the amazing Jennifer Lee, who's now the head of Disney Animation and and a brilliant wonderful, strong, single mother herself. She was there. And that was another part of it is, is I felt much safer because there was a, another woman creator with me. Um, it, it is helpful to have two women in the room. I, I do feel a little, a little othered sometimes when I'm the only one, um, and, but my husband's there. So that helps. I think it's interesting that I'm wondering if, the story of, you know, Frozen is such a women's story. And that's why I think so many people have connected to it and like, you know, don't mind hearing it over and over. I mean, the music's great too, but also we love that our daughters, for instance, are seeing this story. And I'm wondering if, to me, I think about, do you want to build a snowman? And the, the journey that happens within that song between, I mean, as you see the sisters start to you know, come apart and have space between them and you feel Anna's emotions through it. And you also feel Elsa's. I mean, I wonder if as a woman, you connected more with that moment and realized that that's what needed to be shown for the film to come together. Like on some, maybe not consciously even, you knew it needed to be there, but I'm wondering if, if with just because of who we are as women and as mothers. Absolutely. I mean, just in general, Frozen wouldn't be Frozen if there weren't two of the four creators were not only women, sisters, um, but also raising girls, raising girls who were very much having their princess phase. And, um, and also Jennifer Lee also was raising her daughter until like a year before we started writing Frozen. She was down the street in Park Slope. Like our kids went to the same arts camp um, and we were, were from a very liberal bubble uh neighborhood called Park Slope. Um, and we were all dealing with the princess question of like, okay, my daughter's dressed like Cinderella. That's cool. Um, when it went, when my daughter, my oldest daughter asked if she could be, um, like the Ariel bride for Halloween. That's when I kind of went like, okay, all right. Um, how do I feel about this? How do I feel about the messaging? And so to, like we were very armed with that whole thing of like, how do we change and adapt the idea of true love that we are spoon fed through these beautiful princess movies that I love so much, but how can we evolve true love into being 
true love for yourself, true love for a sister or a family member, that sometimes the villain comes in the inside the envelope of true love uh, of that Prince Charming. Um, you know, we all we all went through it in our 20s. How yeah. many? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are some villains for sure. I just love, I mean, I, I also can't believe how long it's been since y'all wrote that. I mean, that's, it is, I saw it when I was pregnant with Elliot in the winter of 2014. And then, I mean, in that, and it was already out in the theaters. And I know that so much work goes into it before. And so it's just crazy to me. Time has lost all meaning. It's gone. You know what I mean? But it's, I can't believe how long ago it was, but um, yeah, no, that's so interesting to me. I love it. I mean, we, we, we know it well, we're very into frozen two these days. Elliot yeah. has graduated like for a long time. She didn't want to watch it. She thought it'd be too intense because she's a super emotional child, yep. but now she is all about it. We listen to the to the soundtrack. I mean, the Lopez's are the Anderson Lopez's are in our space. I go I go by Lopez. It's fine. <laughs> we we started doing movie nights during the pandemic, and Frozen Two was our inaugural movie night. So it's like the one we base all movie nights off of. It was super successful. Everybody loved it. The kids sit, sat still, and they're still obsessed. So. You know, one of the best the best moments was when they released Disney released Frozen Two to the streaming really early because yeah. of the pandemic, and that meant so much to us because you know we have so many friends who are parenting too, who just went thank God, thank God, <laughs> totally, yeah. totally. Um, we couldn't like create a vaccine, but we could at least release this thing. Hey. <laughs> Look at that. How yeah. has that been? So, okay. So that sort of segues into what you guys are working on now with, which is, well, WandaVision. I mean, probably, or you're done with that. I mean, I, cause that's been shot, yeah. right? Yeah. It's all shot. It's all, everything's in the can. Was uh, that pre pandemic or did that come up during this time? We had written all the songs pre pandemic, but we had to produce them. So we had to produce the all the tracks um and you know get creative about that it's also why a lot of the voices you hear are mine and bobby's because just recording was was a logistical nightmare this summer well i i mean you guys are y'all are used to working with each other obviously i mean for years and years and you live together but i'm wondering how the stress uh if if the stress of the pandemic and the lockdown, like all of a sudden it's like, maybe perhaps y'all go elsewhere to do your own work or you can take time away or you can meet your friends and, and, and get away from one another. <laughs> but in the lockdown, you couldn't even go to your separate rooms to work, so to speak, because you were producing this and recording it together that you're creating. And then you're living together and you're parenting in a pandemic and the weight of just the heaviness of the year, you know, I mean, it, it was all so heavy. Was that, was it a struggle for y'all getting through that time? Did you find that it was, or did it not feel that different in a lot of ways? I would say it didn't feel that different for us. Um, we, we are used to working together all the time. We're used to being together all the time. And, and we had done a ton of work prior to this pandemic about learning how to communicate and give each other space. And, uh, you know, we, we definitely hit some really hard times when we were working on writing frozen Two, also frozen Broadway, also Coco. We were working on another thing. Um, and, and we had younger kids who were, who really needed a lot more from us. And, and we hit a moment where we really didn't like each other for a second. And, um, went to couples therapy and it was the greatest thing we ever did. Like the greatest thing as a team, our, our, everything got better. Our, our intimacy, our trust, our ability to communicate. And it gave us these amazing tools, which I'm happy to share, which we used in, in this pandemic. Um, the, like when we hit a real moment where we're really tense at each other, or there's a specific thing that we're really fighting about, we can kind of, we do this thing where we call it conscious dialoguing and you, you, you have to clear out some space. Like you can't be interrupted. You can't you clear out the space. You face each other. You start with the intention of like this whole conversation is to, is to help us progress our relationship and keep this relationship. It's not about winning points. Mm -hmm. Both people have to feel that intention 
And then one person gets to just speak what they're feeling, their whole story, just uninterrupted until they say, yeah, I think that's it. And then the other person has to reflect it back without editorializing or defending or doing anything. You just have to say, okay, so what I'm hearing is X, Y, Z. Did I get it right? And then the other person gets a chance to go, yeah, or say like, actually, I want to add one more thing. And then you reflect that <laughs> thing back. And that can that alone could take half hour sometimes, just, just the reflecting back. When the other person feels completely heard, then you can, oh, oh, and there's another thing that right at the end you go, this makes sense to me because X, Y, or Z. So you're hearing them. Your job is to hear them. And it's also to say, that makes sense to me in some way. Then you, then you get your turn. The other person gets their turn to do the exact same thing. And it's just amazing how that single slowing down of the fight just un takes you out of that flooded, like, I'm going to score a point. And how dare you? Takes completely out so you can actually get to the heart of the matter. And more importantly, you can get to the vulnerability underneath the anger. And once you do that, then like amazing, powerful things happen. Your intimacy grows, your ability to um, tackle a problem together instead of on opposite sides grows. And it's like changed our lives. So we had the, that tool before we came into the pandemic. And that was, that's been super important. Wow. Thank you. I mean, thank you for sharing that because I think so often, you know, I think mental health itself is an issue that can be a bit taboo, just what we do to take care of our mental health and therapy and things like that. And I, I just want to commend you for sharing that. There is no, to us, we're all about it. Like get the therapies, do the things. But um, I think that for some people, a lot of people, it will probably be really helpful to hear, you know, you guys are super successful. Both it, you work together, your whole lives, your careers, your lives are all wrapped up in one another. So it's this precious package that you for sure, regardless of the marriage aspect, even too, you want to save and keep holy and safe. And the fact that you went to therapy and y'all have this format that you go through when you need to, and that you're open and sharing that with us. Thank you. I just want to say that for, for all of our listeners. Cause I think yeah. it helps to hear, we get in our minds that, Oh, people who are Oscar winners, Tony winners, like they don't have problems. <laughs> Everyone has the same things, right? We're all just humans. Like you have these awards and you're incredibly creative and brilliant, you know, composers and lyricists. But, but at the end of the day, you're also two people in a marriage and you have to figure out how to get through that. And so thank you for sharing that. And yeah. I want to high conscious dialoguing because the uninterrupted yeah. aspect is key. Yes. And, and I will say like, there's a difference doing it over wine or not over wine. Like mm. it's actually good to do it. Not if all you have is that moment from like eight to 10 PM, once the kids go to bed, that's not always the greatest moment to do it yeah. um, because that's when you're just like, Oh God, I'm so exhausted. Um, like finding a, even if you're like, okay, conscious dialogue right now. In the <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and we've had those moments sometimes where we've had to, we've like, what the hell is going on? Um, and, and that really has been helpful for, for this pandemic. And, and I'll, I'll, also just say when we were on top of each other in Brooklyn, um, that was harder. We, we were very, very, very lucky in that a month before this pandemic happened, we finally bit the bullet and bought a house in the woods. Um, we didn't know what was coming or maybe on, on some level we did, but we moved into this house in the middle and the height of the New York pandemic, like with no furniture, but we at least had woods that we could get out and walk in um, because that was the hardest when, when it even got so scary that you couldn't, couldn't go out in Brooklyn for a moment there, like when we were all Cloroxing our oranges and, and you didn't know if somebody jogging by you would get you sick. Right. Um, and that was a really tough moment, but we had a, an escape hatch and, and that has been our, our savior, really. We're going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Just touched on your many awards, which... I want to go back to because you were quoted um, after I believe it was your second Oscar, but I think this had to do with your first. And you said, I had to win an Oscar on this coast before I could produce a show on Broadway on the East Coast. You literally had to win an Oscar before you gained that respect or garnered that, res- garnered that respect. And something that we talk about a lot, how women have to kind of absolutely prove their worth and their abilities before given opportunities. Whereas men, and this is not to take anything away from your husband, his work is unbelievable and amazing and deserves all the accolades it gets, but maybe his path has been a little different than yours, right? You kind of needed this, this stamp of approval to say, guess what? I'm your gal. Take a chance on me, even though you had already proven you are so capable. Can you speak a little bit more about it? You're very open about how women need to be represented more in this industry and across the board. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think the I'm also on this um, on this the board of this group called the Lilies that started to tackle this problem before you know and and clear the way before I was there. Um, but really started to label like, what is going on? Women are graduating from these programs at the same level. Often the women are winning those awards and yet like crazy, crazy numbers, like the same amount of female produced plays, um, from 1912. It's the same percentage in 2012. When I started joining, um, it was like, 8% or something. Um, And, and so there's clearly something going on, something systemic. I think we're spending a lot of time talking about systems and institutions right now. Um, You know, one of the biggest things that we tackle uh, that I tackle is, is unconscious bias, which frankly, my husband also had to tackle. He's, he's um, half Filipino. And so he also feels the difference sometimes between, between the way that um, you know his our peers who are who are white and and look like look like the Sondheims and the Rogers and Hammersteins and the, how how easy it is for like a young two young males to just be like oh they're the new darlings and um, how much harder sometimes it seems whether you're of color or you're female to um, to just fight through the fact that most people, many people in the position of hiring you are, will take a chance on like, Oh, he's the next young Steven Schwartz versus like, she's the next young. What, what is she? I don't know. I like, I, um, it's a she, she's a right, she. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, Lynn Aaron's Lynn Aaron's um, and Kristen Childs and um, even Mary Rogers, like they somehow, got Betty Comden, you know, they got toeholds in an all male industry. Um, but I don't think they had a very easy time of it. Well, and I just want to say like, you're naming them Betty Comden, they all, Betty, Betty and Lynn both have male partners, male writing partners. Yes. And that is, that is a, a factor. That's a huge factor by the way. And my sister, my sister Kate and her amazing writing partner, Elisa Samsel, they did the songs for the Christmas special. They're also the the songwriters, in-house songwriters for um, Central Park, which is on 
Apple. Um, they're writing beautiful, beautiful, great stuff. But I remember when Kate decided to really commit to Elisa as her, as her work wife, I was like, you guys are going to be fighting battles that I don't even think, you know, that I think are ready to be fought, but you're going to have to fight different battles. Um, you know, one of the battles circling back to your original brilliant question about the difference between having Bobby in the room versus not having Bobby in the room is Bobby and I can play good cop, bad cop. Sometimes he's allowed to express a level of anger and conflict that I know I can't, I, I, it's just, I cannot go there or I will be labeled as difficult and a bitch. And, and it even makes me uncomfortable sometimes because people, um, occasionally conflate us together and somehow I get tarred with the anger that Bobby will sometimes be able to show. And then I have to be like, wait a second. I was, <laughs> um, but there, he's allowed to express a level of, of anger that I can never bring to the table. And so, so how do Kate and Elisa in moments where they really have to stand up for their and their voice. I know that they struggle often with uh, a male in authority saying like, you guys are being difficult or like you can't be di divas. Um, that, you know, that's, that's something really hard. And, and honestly, frankly, the fan base also that, you know, I, I love so many of our, our the peers that are that are really making strides in our business, but I feel like it's so much easier for young women to celebrate a male composer than it is for young women to celebrate a female composer, and that's something that um, is hard because because so-and-so male writer doing amazing work can suddenly get a thousand followers and people going, Oh my God, I love blah, blah, blah. Um, and you don't see that. You don't see that from, for female writers. There's not a precedent to be like, you know, even Sarah Bareilles, who's already a pop star. There's still a lot of, she still doesn't get the love that a male a male person piercing the musical theater culture might. And that's something that, that nobody talks about, but it, and I'm sure it's related to sexuality and what we feel comfortable. You know, it's really easy to be like, Oh my God, I love that. You know, I love Bieber um, in a different way than, than you can celebrate a female writer. Well, I think that it's, excuse me, I think that it's so deeply ingrained, right? I mean, it's like, like with systemic racism, like this reckoning that we're having within our country, um, and rightly so, where we're realizing there are, there are ideas and thoughts that are so a part of us that we don't even realize we do them. These microaggressions towards people of color, towards women, just in general, that we are we allow ourselves to be spoken to in a certain way or we just make assumptions of how the person's going to view us based on history just historical fact and how it is and i do think i think you're absolutely right about that like i was as you were talking about that i was thinking about all the the lack of i should say the lack of um very uh popular like women bloggers or mom bloggers, or even just spaces for women, you know, like we, Kara and I are starting, you know, clubhouse is coming up. It has, you know, clubhouse is a thing now and it makes yeah. us feel very old, <laughs> but we were, we joined clubhouse and we really want to make space for parents in there because it's all about like your TikTok and your this and promoting and self-promoting. And no one's talking about the rest of you that comes with that, you know, and, and that's the thing. When you hire someone, you hire the whole person. And some of us come with children. That's you know, something that Casey Levy said, who I know, you know, well, it's like, you know, you hire an artist and a huge part of what makes us great artists is our life experience. And some of that has to do with children. Absolutely. I, the first thing, like, I really want to write this article one day, but the, one of the things I wanted to write is that you hire a mother, you are hiring someone who is thinking about how to develop a human being 24 seven. You're, you're not, you're not 
you're not hiring someone who's like, how can I, how can I be awesome? How can I impress people? You're really, you're hiring someone who's like, how do I raise a human being to be a good human <laughs> representative in the world? And so that comes with a whole different way of thinking. Uh, again, you know, going back to Frozen and Frozen 2, we, Frozen wouldn't be what it was if we weren't already dealing with like, how do we help our daughters understand what true love is mm-hmm. uh, in a different way? You know, Frozen 2 is about finding your power. Like the, it, it, how do you, how do you find your power and, and handle change and how can change help you stand in your own power? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we were, we were writing what we knew as mothers Everything I do, I'm writing what I know as a mother. Um, oh my God! Once you become a mother, it, it it it's it's there for everything you do. Like there's never a point where you're not coming at at a task as anything other than a mother, right? Right. But if you think about it, you're really any mother is getting a PhD in what almost in like you know building a good human, yeah, right. <laughs> And so we're thinking about things in a very different way than someone who's not a mother. Um, but then there are there are all kinds of um, traditions and and institutions in place that never took into account motherhood. So I know one of you guys is living in La Jolla right now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And um, I loved La Jolla. I loved it so much. And. And La Jolla has done a wonderful job of even getting childcare in there. Yeah. Well, you know why? I think a huge part of it is because Debbie Volkholtz runs it and she is a mother herself. I mm-hmm. think that that is key. And I know this is something we've all talked about, but truly, it, when, as more women get into positions of power, women and mothers, the changes will happen. But we have to get those women into those positions. They have to, you know, it's like, I mean, it's still, you know, Kamala Harris is our vice president and still people don't think women are capable. Do you know what I mean? Like there are not, there's a reason that I think a huge part of why Hillary didn't win is because there are people who just in their soul don't believe women are capable. Well, and we're just that's a whole other <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that's, you know. Well, and even just you talking about the fact that you temper your own behavior in a room with your husband and he's allowed to behave differently than you are because you know how your actions will be viewed. And that is the way we move through the world. That's the way we move through the world as mothers too. We know that there are things that we're, you know, we haven't been talking about, which is why we're trying to be so vocal about the struggle, about the things that we deal with on the day to day so that we don't feel like we have to hide these parts of ourselves and not be our authentic self. Like you were talking about coming into your power in Frozen 2. By the way, I can't listen to show yourself without crying. No. Like I yeah. just – I can't. I was I, literally – and the, I was literally and the, sitting here like I have I love show yourself it's so good. I like the visual of it too and the even yeah. the the way that Elsa like the I've never seen the facial expression of a Disney princess have the expression that she has when she's connecting with her mother. I am just so moved by that. I could cry just thinking about it. That is just such a gorgeous song. So I just needed to Thank bow down you. at your feet for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I that that was really important to us with Frozen 2 was was, you know, if Frozen 1 was about changing um, the definition of true love to include family love, then Frozen 2 was about the, changing the definition of true love to actually be, you can feel that kind of heady love when you find your purpose and your place in the world. And, um, you know, expanding that idea of true love to just finding your finding your path. Um, and, and that's how I felt when I found musical writing, I had been, uh, um, I had been an actress because I mean, I had, I was like doing theater in my backyard my whole childhood and, but I was like creating it and producing it and directing it and starring in it. But I downloaded the narrative that I had to be an actress and because that's what girls work. So you didn't see female writers up there winning the awards. So, um, it took me a really long time and a lot of pain and a lot of doing nonsense too in New Hampshire to, um, <laughs> I, I played a lot of nuns in New Hampshire. <laughs> basically what I spent my, you know, I'd go to these auditions for Maureen or, or, you know, all these, 
all these awesome characters I could be. And I always got cast as a nun in New Hampshire. Um, <laughs> and, and I would, uh, I was like, this can't be it. I can't be temping and struggling and not able to go on vacation or pay for health insurance in order to do this. Um, and I was very, very lucky. I like, I did morning pages. I did, uh, what is it? The artist way. Julie yeah, the artist way. And started realizing that like this weird thing of like being a songwriter started showing up. I was even too afraid to say it out loud to myself. Um, even though I would rewrite the lyrics of every show I was in and like do like a forbidden Broadway kind of cabaret often at the end at the cast party. Um, it was not until someone, somebody who was already, who was male um, said, you're a lyricist. You should go to BMI. Um, and I went to BMI and I wrote my first song and it really was this year that my first year of BMI that was truly heady, like feel, like being in love, but being in love with finally figuring out where my talents interface with this thing that I loved so much. Mm -hmm. And it's also no surprise that I met my husband that year as well, because I was having this moment where I, like the windows were open to the universe a little bit more. Um, and it was, it was exciting. Oh. I love that. That was like, that was perfect. I just think about that. But stepping into your power, finding your purpose, that is all any of us hope, right? And then even when we know it within ourselves, it can be really scary to acknowledge it and speak it out loud. Because I think sometimes we know what we're capable of without, mm -hmm. without really, you know, you don't, you're so, you're scared to speak it because you know that it could take you to the next level and out of your comfort zone. And that is scary. Absolutely. Um, you know, in college, Jason Howland, we went, we were in the same college together. Jason Howland wrote Little Women. I, you might've done some of his shows, um, both of you, but he identified, he was like, you know, could you direct, I'm writing a new musical. Will you come direct it? And the truth was, I was so excited by it and so terrified because I didn't know what a, what me as a director or creator would look like. And so I, you know, I did the safe thing and did the, did the Shakespeare instead, um, <laughs> which was fun. It was, it was great. I got to play bottom and I got to do like a gender bending, uh, midsummer yes. But, yes. but I got to be bottom and pyramus and basically channel my dad up there. Um, but, uh, I really missed this chance to grow because I was too scared and it took, suffering. It took like having to have that thing where I can't, I can't go to the gynecologist <laughs> because <laughs> let's take a look at this right. uh, to finally realize like, okay, you've got to do some work and figure out what, what your path is. Yeah. And, Funnily yeah. enough, you said that. And I feel like in a lot of ways, we're about to feature a bunch of women doing their pandemic pivots during this time with right. probably baby mamas. And I feel like Families are under a lot of duress right now. You know, people in our industry have not had work for a year. No one has health insurance. You know, it's same sort of thing. Like, I can't go to the gynecologist. And so people are really having to, like, figure out something else that makes them tick. And, and sometimes it comes from those extreme situations to find something else that's really all of a sudden clicking for someone and, and finding a different path. You know, I think Jess and I have talked about this personally. I don't even know if we've talked about it on the podcast, but when you're in our industry, you kind of get this like tunnel vision, right? And it was like Broadway or bust. That was certainly what it was for me. You know, it was like, this is Same. what it is. And so when that's taken away, or even when you become a mom and you have to kind of reprioritize, you can't do every single show. You can't go for every single out of town trial because your family is a priority. Um, you allow yourself to think about yourself in new ways and and see where you fit into the industry in new ways. Even this podcast. I mean, Jess and I never thought we'd have something like this, right? Mm -hmm. um, but how your, your voice and your passion for your art and what it is that you do can shift and change and being brave enough to take that step. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and it is, it, it really is an interesting thing because Broadway does, if, if you're lucky enough, to be you two and actually, you know, have, have the beautiful triple threat also be like stunningly gorgeous and a triple threat and actually achieve the Broadway dream in a way it could trap you. 
it, it could kind of, you know, get you stuck in like Broadway is my life. It's the golden cage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and, and I had never really thought about that, but I do think crisis, I, I really believe that crisis is always opportunity that in a crisis, as long as you don't do anything too damaging. And as, as long as you're able to find a way to calm the trauma down enough to say, okay, this is a moment where I need to react to a new normal. Um, that there, there's all kinds of ways. Like honestly, this the crisis of not being able to do what we do um, in person has turned into like we're developing a streaming series, a musical, an original musical theater streaming series for a network. I don't think I'm allowed to announce it yet, but honestly, one of the major impulses behind that is finding a way to create musical uh, musical work for all of the Broadway people we love so much, knowing that theater is going to take a long time to get back on its feet. So we're inspired by like, how can we make sure that this films in New York, that we're using Broadway people, um, and how can we create this, the, the streaming is taking over, how can we pivot ourselves and and turn what we do into an original musical. That's that's I'm amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> like I literally just, you know, you're talking about when you said the part about in New York, that's the key too, I think. You know, it's like New York is struggling and there's so many of us who we know, you know, unfortunately we know it's going to be much longer than we would ever hope until we can truly come back to the theaters. And, um, but we're still there ready. You know, we, we made our lives there. That's who we are. We are Broadway actors in New York city. And so to think that there are people, every time I hear someone who is in a position of power or who has clout, when they, when I hear them speak to, um, pivoting themselves or thinking, how can we put a hand and bring them up with us? Because, so you know, we've built our lives going to auditions and asking to be tired, right? We, we put ourselves out there and it's like, please pick me. Uh -huh. We don't create our own stuff for the most part. And even if we do, we don't have the money or the, 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 the accolades behind us to support that. And so we can only go so far. So in this time, I think so many of us have felt like, um, we've been left behind by a lot of, you know, with producers or theater owners and there are people, the Broadway league to a certain degree, I think that we feel forgotten. And those of us who are solid, like middle-class working actors, not the Adina Menzels and not the people, not the Audras and not the people who are hired constantly to do everything. But those of us who have made solid livings and lives in the theater community in New York city and we're not, you know, we, we don't want handouts. We want to work. And so right. when we hear yeah. that the people are creating opportunities to specifically use us, that is hopeful. So thank you, Kristen. Yes. I just, there that's, are, there are a lot of musical streaming or streaming musicals on the horizon. Um, and the one thing I can say, you know, circling back to, circling back to something that I learned about being a working mother in live theater. Um, it was, it was unsustainable for Bobby and I to write music lyrics book and raise our children and do it repeatedly. Um, the, the original musical that we did that for, um, which, which we, um, we did in La Jolla almost killed us and almost killed our family. Like it, it was just too much. It was unsustainable. The, um, the time and the amount of headspace you need to create in that, kind of crunch time. It was just something that was not sustainable for two people who are also co-parents. Mm -hmm. And so we, that's when we started turning more to, and we were lucky enough to be able to turn more to, to visual media. But that's one of the things that I'm hoping is if we can create this sustainable ongoing original musical that films in New York, filming tends to be much more family friendly than eight shows a week, but also just the grueling development previews period. Yeah. Um, when we were doing previews for Frozen Broadway, we literally had to move out of our house, move into an apartment next to the theater, leave my my sister to 
take care of the kids for a month, basically. It was like we left our kids, even though we were in the same city, we couldn't even build in the time to commute from from Broadway to Brooklyn. Wow. Um, yeah. we had, it was so relentless and we had so much work to do. And that's not something we can sustain. Uh, maybe once every seven years you can pull it off. But, um, but creating for streaming media and media is, is much more family friendly. We found, we look forward to our kids are old enough and we can be like, you know, those fun people who have to stay up all night and go to Joe Allen in the morning. (laughs) Not our life right now. No, no, but it will be one day. Those girls, I mean, it's just, I'm so excited to see what your girls are going to accomplish. I mean, playing numerous instruments, photography, all the things, and then what you've, guys have got on the horizon. And I just think, you know, Kara and I are, are so thankful that there are women like you in our business who speak up and who are focused on helping to figure out how to make it more parent friendly, mom friendly, and who at least like, even if it's not your sole priority, obviously it's always there in the back of your head and you have the actual life experience to inform the conversation and, and times like this, are super, this is what it is. And this is how word gets out. And this is how change gets made is getting to hear from people like you. So thank you. Well, thank so you. And I'm going to buy, Kara, I'm going to buy your wine. <laughs> I, I keep getting interrupted. And, and I definitely want some bracelets too. Brilliant. We're there. We've got you back. Thank we'll send you. Yeah, anything sure. you want. <laughs> it's incredible watching you both pivot and find this voice and, and also find, find your side hustle and, and uh, do it with such power. So congratulations to both of you too. Thank Thank you. you. We appreciate that so much. And thank you for sharing your time with us today. Be well. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Mama's Talking Loud. Special shout outs to Rachel Spencer Hewitt for our fabulous graphic, Kristen Anderson Lopez, Bobby Lopez, and Justin Ward Weber for our awesome theme song, our producers Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, and of course, the Broadway Podcast Network for bringing us to you. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.